Welcome to my podcast, These Dramatic Days. I'm Jen, and I want to have smart conversations about Asian dramas, particularly good Taiwanese and Korean series. Hey everyone, I'm back and I'm here to talk about the last couple of episodes as well as the ending for Extraordinary Attorney Wu Young Woo. And I think quite a bit of time has passed now, so hopefully everyone's watched the ending and knows how the story wraps up. But if you haven't watched it by now, you probably caught a spoiler on social media because I think it was quite a rough ride into the final episode. And that's going to be a big part of what we're going to be talking about today. But because this drama is so popular, I also really really want to talk about the fan culture surrounding it and there's some topics that I've talked about in the last episode which was also about Extraordinary Attorney Wu Young Woo which I won't really revisit that much in this episode so if you're interested in looking at how autism has been portrayed in this series and looking at the importance of the romance story and analyzing Wu Young Woo and Jun Ho and the other side characters I'd recommend checking out the last episode because I was more focused on those topics in that one. So this is the list of topics I'm going to be talking about today. Number one, I'm going to be talking about episodes 13 to 16 and we'll mainly be talking about the last episode but I do want to talk a little bit about the rough episodes that led up to that really good ending. Number two, I'm going to be talking about shipping and anti-shipping culture and while I don't personally identify as a shipper, I would say that I really really like this pairing of Kang Tae-ho and Park Eun-bin and I really appreciate the cast chemistry between them and that's why I think I'm in a good position to talk through a lot of things that have been causing a lot of fans of Taebin which is the mashup name for Kang Tae-ho and Park Eun-bin a lot of anxiety because a lot of fans of course really love the characters of Woo Young-woo and Jun-ho and they really love the actors Kang Tae-ho and Park Eun-bin who've been really talented in bringing these two characters to life showing a lot of chemistry in the romance and because they're so deeply invested in these characters and actors sometimes they're anxieties lead them to read too deeply into things without context which leads to a lot of negative thinking like the two actors hate each other or something like that. So if you find yourself being one of these people I think you've come to the right place because I am literally going to talk through every crazy rumor and conspiracy theory I have heard about Tabin and I'm going to put your mind at ease by giving you some context and logical explanations about the two actors so that you can see that they actually actually did enjoy working together and they probably have a very good friendship and unless something comes to light which was not known we really shouldn't be worrying about this we should be appreciating all the nice moments so if you're deeply anxious I hope you'll listen to the whole podcast and feel more relaxed afterwards and number three the last topic I want to talk about season two and all the controversies that have surrounded that and also just think about what would happen if the series didn't continue on like would that be a bad thing? And also, is there another way that Park and Bin and Kang Tae-ho could reunite? And even though it's just three topics today, I have a feeling I'm going to be talking a lot. I mean, there's just so much ground to cover, so I hope you'll grab a cup of tea and enjoy the discussion that we're going to have. So the first thing I want to talk about is episodes 13 to 16. And I think that those episodes were quite rough until the last episode, which is actually really good. And because I watched this drama live, I remember 
all the discussions that went around when these episodes were airing and they caused so much angst because they were just such depressing episodes and in some ways that's not unusual because if you are a long-term drama watcher you'll know that usually episodes 13 and 14 are super angsty mainly because they're the episodes before the finale and I think drama writers like to leave the super dramatic conflicts to the very end because they think that it will hook people in so that they watch the issues being resolved in the finale. And so the pattern of a romance in a K-drama is generally 10 or so episodes of the characters pining for each other, maybe like two episodes of them being together, and then about three episodes where they break up and feel really sad about each other. And then if you're lucky, it'll be like the last episode or halfway through the second last episode, they will make up and everything will have a happy ending. But sometimes this doesn't work out and the last episode is pretty rough and you get maybe a happy ending in the last five minutes, which is really, really annoying. And because Extraordinary Attorney William Wu did follow this pattern, I think people were a little bit concerned that it would be too rushed in the last episode. And all this going downhill really started from episode 12 or 13 because William Wu and Jun Ho did have a disagreement in episode 12, but they could have recovered from that. But instead they decided in episode 13 to send them to Jeju Island on a work trip. And then that was made worse by the fact that Weung Woo met Jun Ho's sister who happened to be quite traditional and discriminatory in her thinking. And then it made Young Woo feel bad because it made her question whether or not she was being a burden on Jun Ho who she cared about the most. And while I really like this drama, I still think that episode 13 was probably the weakest out of all the episodes. And that's not because of the issues or conflicts, which I think is quite normal and good to have in a series. I just felt like the pacing was really off in that episode, mainly because the characters started to do these actions that didn't make sense to how they had been acting the whole series. And the whole thing just made it feel like they were rushing to get to the big conflict in the story. And what I mean by that is that in episode 13, Junho wants Youngwoo to come visit his sister who lives on Jeju Island. And for a character who's really thoughtful and often thinks of Youngwoo and knows that she only eats gimbap, he didn't really mention this to his sister and so his sister makes this meal and Youngwoo is forced to eat it, which she really cannot stand. And then it leads to a really awkward, cringy, painful dinner scene. And then afterwards when Youngwoo overhears what Junho's sister says to him about dating someone that should make him happy, she ends up breaking up with him and he has no idea why, even though he's usually quite intuitive. So I guess it looks kind of weird that he didn't suspect that she might have overheard what his sister said to him. And so there was a lot of debate about this kind of thing because, of course, Junho has been criticized by some as being too much of a perfect character. But then when he shows flaws like this, like maybe it is normal to accidentally forget to tell someone about someone's dietary requirements. Then you had fans criticizing why he hadn't thought about these things beforehand. And then with the actual breakup, there was also some fans who, weirdly enough, were pointing fingers at Youngwoo because they were saying that she was very insensitive. But I think that completely misses the point about the show being about someone who has difficulties with emotions and potentially having those harder, more nuanced conversations about emotions. And there was also a debate there because some people were saying that the show in 
infantilize young Wu's character because of course there are some people with autism who would definitely be able to have these kinds of nuanced conversations about emotions but I think people forget that young Wu doesn't represent everyone on the spectrum she represents being on the spectrum but only at whatever point that she is on and so some people on the spectrum probably would not find her as relatable because she might have an easier or more difficult time compared to them in terms of understanding and responding to emotions. And in turn, I think that actually shapes the way that people find Young Woo realistic or unrealistic because if your only exposure to someone who's on the spectrum is that they're actually pretty good with facial expressions, then you would find her character to be unbelievable. But I think the reason that I find Young Woo's character believable is because my experiences in terms of classmates and workmates who have been on the spectrum is that they have been at a similar level as Young Wu in terms of dealing with conflict and emotion. And this is not due to my speculations, but due to things that they have actually said themselves about how hard it is to understand other people's emotions and expressions. So coming back to the breakup scene, I think those people who are pointing fingers at Young Wu and saying that her character was unrealistic or that she was too cold really show that there's still a long way for society to go before people understand other people's situations, particularly those that have greater issues with more nuanced emotional conversation. And it was quite annoying that there were so many fans who were just trying to find a character to blame when really the scriptwriter was trying to emphasize the difficulty of the situation due to discrimination in society and just due to sometimes things being really hard because of situations in your life that are outside both your control. But I'm also just going to put this down to fans just being really anxious because this breakup was very painful and long and it wasn't really clear whether or not they would make up in time and what was more painful was that all those episodes where happy moments had happened, they mirrored that but changed them into painful moments. But thank God for episode 16. I have to say that the ending was actually really, really good considering how angsty those last three episodes had been. And I really do think that it was good on so many levels, like not just in terms of patching up the relationship, but also because the storyline was well paced. It also brought closure to Wu Young Wu's storyline with her mother. It tied up a lot of loose ends with the more villainous characters of the series. And in the end, it turned out that none of the characters were too hateable. And the last legal case in this series was also really interesting and for a legal drama I realize I haven't really spoken about the cases which are actually very interesting in themselves so I'll do a little bit of that after I finish talking about episode 16. But I wanted to say how pleasantly surprised I was by episode 16 because normally I am very critical of K-drama endings mainly because I feel like there have been so many bad endings that I've seen in the past and I'm not someone who needs everything to be tied up neatly with a bow but I do think that there are many important elements to a good ending and 
And some of that is like having good pacing, tying up the main points and making sure everything is explained logically and not having these giant plot holes, which people then have to think about forever. Good endings, I think, also avoid having those really bad tropey devices. For example, time jumps. I think sometimes a time jump is necessary, but most of the time it is not. And unfortunately, it's used most of the time when it's not needed. <laughs> but coming back to Extraordinary Attorney Wu Young Wu, I think that's why the ending was so good, because it didn't have any of these bad tropes. Thankfully, no unnecessary time jumps. And the pacing was just really, really good. They managed to fit so much in without the episode feeling rushed. And what I mean by that is that they actually even introduced an entirely new character who was really important because that character was Wu Young Wu's younger brother. Or I should say half brother since they have a different father. And I feel like Young Wu's brother had two important functions. So the first was to help give closure to Young Wu's storyline with her mother because although she had confirmed who her mother was and there was never going to be that sort of loving relationship relationship between the two of them. It felt like she hadn't been able to confront her mother for abandoning her and it also felt like she wasn't able to process and let go of this pain. But because she wanted to protect her brother and make sure that his wishes were respected and also because she needed to solve for the case, she was finally able to have a talk to her mother and it was a talk where she had the upper hand emotionally and she was able to say the line that even though you haven't been a good mother to me, you can still be a good mother to your son. That's not a direct quote, but it was something along those lines where she was able to directly express her feelings about having been abandoned as a child. And then of course she gave that really touching and inspirational speech about being a narwhal in a group of beluga whales. And that speech pretty much showed her mother that although she doesn't live perhaps as the majority does, she really appreciated her life and all the beautiful and unique things about it. And that level of confidence and strength not only showed that she wouldn't be intimidated by anyone, especially her mother, it also gained the respect of her mother because it showed that she really had such a amazing level of resilience and that's not something that a lot of people have, especially when they didn't have the support of a really good mother while growing up. So Wu Wu's brother allowed her to confront her mother and process these feelings. But I think another more subtle function of introducing her brother was to show that some of her characteristics were actually just parts of her personality rather than everything just being stereotypical traits that one might have because they are a character that is on the spectrum. I think his character helped to dispel some stereotypes that people might have of people on the spectrum because it's implied that Young Wu's brother is not on the spectrum but he also shared a lot of similarities with her as a character because he also liked to be really neat and tidy. He was also quite intelligent and focused on details and so these are things that might have been stereotyped to Wu Young Wu because she was on the spectrum but by introducing her brother and mirroring their lifestyles and similarities as people, I think it helped to show that people and their abilities can't be so neatly boxed into these categories that we sometimes tend to make. And so now I want to talk about another reason why the ending was so good and that's because it avoided another terrible Korean drama ending trope which I really hate and I call this one the five minutes of happiness ending and this really relates to a lot of romance storylines. Basically we all 
know that usually there's a breakup which drags out for a few episodes, but sometimes they do not pace this breakup well enough or they decide to make it fully angsty and they decide it's fun to only reunite the two main characters, the main couple, in the last five minutes of the last episode. And often as a result of trying to make these kind of endings, they don't even feature both the main actors in the last episode very much at all. In fact, to get to these five minutes of happiness endings, they really spend the whole of the last episode as a filler with all these unnecessary events with side characters in order to separate the main couple for as long as possible. And so this is a huge waste of everyone's time. And to be honest, when I was watching episodes 13 to 15, I was preparing myself in my heart for this kind of ending with Junho and Wu Young Woo because I have a lot of trust issues from past dramas where that is exactly what has happened, despite me wishing and hoping that it wouldn't go that way. And so I was so completely happy and relieved when this drama decided to resolve the breakup issue in the middle second half of the episode. And not only that, they didn't just slap on a band-aid and have some really illogical reason for why they decided to get back together. They actually had the characters talk out their feelings and the analogy they had Junho use was just so beautiful because it really provided another lens to understand and reframe some of the things in the relationship which Wu Young Woo was worrying about. And it's really quite adorable and easy to understand when Junho says his feelings towards Wu Young Woo are like a cat owner's unrequited love towards their cat because cats are definitely those creatures that can make their owners feel lonely at times when they're not listening and they're a bit unwilling to show affection at times but they also give their owners so much joy because they are so cute and their owners find value from just having their company in the same room and sometimes they can be so affectionate that their owners even have trouble keeping them off and I'd say people who own cats definitely love their cats not in spite of their quirks but because of their quirks and that's exactly what Junho goes on to say when he gives all these examples of the times that he spent with Wu Young Woo which are probably times where she worried that he would have been lonely because maybe in a different relationship things would be more conventional but it's very sweet because he explicitly tells her that even if it's something like awkwardly knocking teeth when they kiss or calming her down in a panic attack when it might be really stressful all these things actually made him very happy and if that isn't a sign of a very unconditional and healthy love then I'm not really sure what is and so in my opinion this was a logical well-paced and beautiful way of resolving this issue and I'm not sure if everybody knows this though I think a large portion of you probably do but this analogy is actually the reason why Kang Tae got the role of Junho because when he was interviewing for this role he used the analogy that being in love with Wu Young Woo would be like following a cat and what he meant by this was that you would have to let the cat lead and you would just have to sort of follow along at its pace and the scriptwriter was actually really impressed with this because she felt that he really understood the thoughts and feelings of Junho and so that's how he ended up with the role but I should probably get back to the ending again and I'm gonna say even though the ending wasn't like super romancy it was quite beautiful because they had resolved it in this way and then at the very very end when Wu Young Woo has overcome the obstacle of the revolving door it's Junho who's by her side and sharing her happiness and so I think that really implies the happily ever after 
And I just want to say one more thing about romance, although not related to the main pair. A lot of people were quite concerned going into the finale because the show seemed to focus less on the main couple and more on a secondary couple that was not really that expected. And that was the pairing between Suyon and Minwoo, which was one of the nicest characters being paired with one of the meanest characters in the series. That actually caused a big upset because a lot of people felt like that storyline was rushed and sort of came out of nowhere. And the writer has since said that it was because she couldn't really find a way to give Minwoo a redemption arc. And it probably wasn't the wisest idea. But she's not the only writer who's done this sort of thing before. I don't know why, but I feel like a lot of the time, for some weird reason, scriptwriters feel compelled to focus on some secondary couple that no one really cares about when they break up the main couple. And it just seems so filler and again a big waste of time because people don't come there for this second couple. They come there for the first couple. (laughs) I don't know what it is but it really annoys me sometimes. Especially when the second couple gets a better ending. Luckily in this series the writer decided not to go through with that and it's only implied that Suyon and Minwoo might have the possibility of being together. But speaking about Minwoo I guess that brings me to another point which I liked about the ending which was that in the end none of the bad characters turned out to be all that bad. In fact they all seem to have quite a human side so we talked a little bit about Minwoo becoming a better person because of Suyon and you do find out he came from a hard background. I don't think it necessarily excuses that he did some pretty bad and unethical things to Youngwoo but towards the end he does genuinely try to be a nicer person to her. We also mentioned Youngwoo's mother who of course was someone who abandoned her and then tried to convince her dad to ship her off to the States just so that she wouldn't ruin her reputation. But in the end, she didn't hatch any evil plans to get rid of Youngwoo and she even listened to her advice regarding her son. And really you find out from Youngwoo's brother that her mom does miss her because the reason the brother finds out that they're related is because he sees his mom searching up Youngwoo on the internet. Despite being a cold and very ambitious woman, in the end, Taisumi still cared about her daughter and still thought about her in her heart and she didn't end up doing anything particularly malicious or scheming. And finally the last villainous character was the CEO of Hanbara, CEO Han Son Young who hired Wu Young Wu as a revenge point to get back at her enemy who is Wu Young Wu's mother Taisumi. And initially she was kind of like evil and scheming because she was planning to reveal that Wu Young Wu was a child out of wedlock for Taisumi so that she could take her down in her political ambitions. This would mean that Young Woo would have to suffer because she would have to be followed by tons of reporters and scrutinized and it would have been a really horrible experience for her. But because Young Woo ends up having a younger brother who is a child hacker who ends up involved in the last lawsuit in episode 16, the CEO ends up having another way that she can plot her revenge against Taisumi and bring her down from being a politician. And so she doesn't need to reveal Youngwoo and Taisumi's secret relationship. And even so, she probably could have done it if she really, really wanted to. But in the end, she chose not to. And she also trusted Youngwoo when Youngwoo said that she wanted to try to talk to her mother so that they could get the outcome that they all wanted. And because this was a risky plan, she really could have just used that initial secret. But 
she took the chance on Young Woo and it paid out. And so it was nice to see that she wasn't just vengeful enough to harm Young Woo in the process. And while she is a scheming character, you do kind of feel sorry for her because Tai Sumi did steal her husband, which is why she turned out to be hellbent on revenge in the first place. And also, I guess all things considered, she did end up giving Young Woo a job. And in the end, you see that she does keep Young Woo. And not only that, Young Woo gets made permanent in her job. And I guess that makes up for the fact that she was hired only to be used initially for revenge, right? And so I guess this is a good segue into the last big point I want to make about why episode 16 was so satisfying as an ending. And that's because the story showed Young Woo's development as a person in all aspects of her life. In the romance, you saw it in the way that she responded confidently to Junho's plea to keep being in a relationship with her. It was just very cute and confident the way that she said cats love their masters too, which was basically a Young Woo way of saying that she loved Junho. And basically she left the guy in happy tears when she smiled at him. So if that's not a powerful scene, I don't know what is. But basically that relationship showed her development to let someone into her life intimately, even though she was so used to living in her own world. And then in terms of her work, she definitely progresses from becoming a rookie lawyer to a full-time lawyer at the very end. And you can see her confidence and knowledge as she interrogates her brother in the final court scene. But really you see her confidence and change through the last scene when she tells her dad that she's got a full-time job at the law firm. And it's shown through mirroring, which is what this series has been so good at using in the storytelling. Because basically it's the same sequence as the starting sequence of the series, but now you can see that Woo Young Woo is so much more happier. She's confident instead of anxious as she prepares for work. And instead of being totally uncomfortable when she's on the train to work, where there's a lot of people, she seems relaxed and able to handle anything that might happen on the train ride. And when she listens to the soothing sounds of the whales, instead of just picturing one lone whale, she's picturing a whole bunch of whales. And those represent the relationships that she's built around her since she started being a lawyer at Hanbada. And then of course, the final sequence really showed her growth as well, because at the start, she had trouble getting through the revolving doors, which symbolizes all the obstacles of life that she had to face. And throughout the series, it's always been either Junho or Suyeon or someone else that's helped her through the door. But at the very end, she makes it through the door by herself. And that's a really nice way to symbolize her abilities to overcome her challenges and come out more confident as a person. And of course, once she gets to the other side, Junho is waiting for her, which also symbolizes how connected she is. And so I think this is such a central part of why this story feels so wholesome and happy and why the ending feels like everything is complete. And so now that we've talked about episodes 13 to 16, I want to backtrack a bit and talk on the whole about the legal cases in this drama, because I really wanted to talk about them earlier on, but I feel like I've always gone on a tangent because it's so interesting to talk about the characters in this series. And obviously I really like the romance as well. So I think I've gone on little tangents to other important topics. And actually I wanted to bring up one minor complaint that I heard while the show was airing, which was that some people wanted the legal cases to be a little bit more wholesome or they wanted Wu Yang Wu to always be representing the underdog or the ethical 
cynical side or to have clients that were clearly the good guys. And of course, it's not that she never represented good people because you can see that in the first episode that she really does help someone who needed the help. And that's the case with the elderly neighbor who used to babysit her and got abused by her husband and then accidentally hit him on the head with an iron whilst he already had a brain tumor or something like that. But I think what some people didn't like was that not all the clients were this level of good or in this state of victimhood. And whilst I personally think that good people should always be protected and the ethical side should win out, I actually really enjoyed the realism of how the law and the court system was portrayed in this drama. Because realistically, Youngwoo was hired by a top-tier law firm and these kinds of law firms represent the people who have the money to pay them. And so it's not necessarily about doing social justice work, it's about doing client work. And I think often in legal dramas, there is this tendency to romanticize the law. And often you see the lawyers that are the main characters representing the side of good and justice and pretty much doing things for no money at all. Whereas the opposite side will be representing some evil corporate giant or some horrible criminal who is a serial killer. And so the cases are just so much more black and white, good or bad. But actually the law is quite complicated. And often when you look at legal cases, particularly civil cases, you'll find a lot of the time that both sides are at fault in some way, or there will be some situation that will make it not so clear for both the parties that are involved. And so often it's not about good versus bad, it's about finding the truth of the matter that lies between the two parties. And even in trying to find the truth, sometimes the courts will still get it wrong. And what I liked about this series was there was this episode that was really hard to watch because it became clearer and clearer throughout the episode that they were representing the side that was not being honest. And Youngwoo had to compromise her values because she was working for Humberta. And Humberta was the side that was representing this dodgy ATM company that was trying to sue another company because they were saying that they had used their patents. And then in the end, you find out that actually they were just using this court case to destroy the other company and to stall for time while they took all the business in the industry. And while that was grim and frustrating to watch, what I really liked was it looked into the way that sometimes the law can be used in a very unjust way. And what's more, sometimes it's really straining on lawyers who are also just humans. And a lot of people get into the law because they want to help people, but they end up working at these giant law firms that are only helping the people that have the most money. And so not necessarily the most humane or ethical people in the world. So I guess what I really liked was this raw and realistic critique of the legal system and law firms that didn't really fantasize the law in a way that TV often does. And I do also like that in a later episode, they contrast Hanbara with a smaller law firm, or I think it's even a single lawyer who defends the women of a sexual discrimination in the workplace case. And she's such a cool lawyer that Youngwoo and Suyeon really respect her. But I think it's realistic that they show that she ends up losing the case and she is also not someone who's making a lot of money, but she's someone who's passionate and fights for all the right reasons when she goes to court. And so extraordinary attorney Woo Youngwoo does a really good job of showing all the different types of lawyers and law firms that are out there and realistically what sort of things to expect if you want to work in the law. Like most Korean dramas that are episodic, the court cases serve to provide 
provide some social commentary. And I thought that this one also tackled a lot of really modern and timely sort of issues. For example, the wedding dress episode introduced a same-sex couple. And then they also looked at the issue of discrimination against North Korean defectors, which is a topic I guess I hadn't thought much about, but really would be a topic that's good to explore because they are a pretty marginalized group within South Korea that probably don't have a lot of people speaking on behalf of them. And then there was another episode that looked at the pressures that children face in South Korea when it comes to academics and going to school. And basically that was pretty sad because it seems like a lot of children do these really long hours that are longer than working hours for adults in Western countries. And so those cases were really interesting for exploring a lot of social issues in Korea, but there were also cases that related more directly to Wu Young Woo's situation in life. And as a result, they also provide a commentary for how society views people with disabilities, particularly people with autism. So it's pretty obvious that the case with the brother who had autism, who was suspected of assaulting and killing his brother, otherwise more gently known as the Pengsu case, is one that looks at the discrimination that people with disabilities, particularly autism, face. People are often quick to judge those who appear different or who don't fit into the conventions that society have decided are considered normal. And what's worse is that those judgments don't even consider other points of views. They're just often downright cruel and insulting. And it was really painful to watch in that case when Wu Young Wu went on the internet to see what public opinion was like. And there were a lot of comments that alluded to the fact that he was like crazy or uncontrollable and deserved to be punished really harshly. Another really painful instance of discrimination in that episode was when they had the trial and then you saw the judge and it was clear that she had some sort of discrimination or no understanding and empathy for the brother that was on trial because she wanted him to answer questions in a neurotypical way, even though it was clear that it was not going to be possible. And she also allowed for someone to use discriminatory language towards Wu Young Wu and make her feel really uncomfortable. So that episode highlighted a lot of issues that people on the spectrum face in terms of discrimination. And it was not only these bigger issues, but also the more subtle things as well. Like Wu Young Wu pointed out that a lot of people don't tend to understand the spectrum in that they think that everyone with a disability must act the same. And so you can really see that she struggled because she was perfectly capable of doing a lot of things, but this would be overlooked and lumped with someone who is more severely affected by autism. So for example, the taxi driver ignored her ability to be able to pay for a ride. And even though her boss is quite nice, he also made the assumption that she would understand someone who had more difficulties communicating just because they were both considered to be on the spectrum. The other major case that really explored something that related to Young Woo was the case involving the grooming of a girl with a disability who had the mental capacity of a child's age. Although legally that girl was 27 and so she was pretty much an adult but the complication was whether or not she understood what was happening and whether or not it was considered an assault. And I guess the case was interesting because it looked at the idea of autonomy for people with disabilities in that if someone is not able to rationalize as an average person might, should they be given the freedoms to make their own choices or do they need to be protected? And although Young Woo and the girl in the case 
always had different situations. It was sad to see that some of those discriminations would still apply to her personal life as well. And although Youngwoo would definitely be an adult with a sound reasoning mind, society might still question the choices that she makes or even the choices of those around her who choose to be with her, particularly in a romantic way. Because sadly, there's still this kind of discrimination, which is this unspoken hierarchy where people who are differently abled are sometimes considered by those who discriminate as being somehow on a different tier to those who are able-bodied. And so it's interesting that the cases are used as a vehicle for exploring these kinds of issues. So now I want to move on to talking about fan culture and I want to talk about something that I am very interested in because I have such strong opinions about this thing. What am I talking about? I am talking about shipping. And if you don't know what shipping is, that involves pairing two people or two characters together in a romantic way. And this can be because they're from a romantic series, but people do it in films, TV shows, and even with real life actors and singers. So for example, this happens a lot with K-pop bands, but even in the Western world, it has happened with people pairing up like two One Direction members and feeling that there is some sort of romantic tension between them. And in terms of actors, often it's because they start in a romance series together. But I do have friends that justify romantic attractions even in things like cop shows. So I think people can ship any two characters together and try to justify the relationship. And I guess that's what happens when you're a shipper. You really like the relationship between the two people or the two characters that you're pairing up. And so you look for clues that the relationship exists. And these clues are often called crumbs. And this could be anything from like photos that are posted on social media websites, or it can be from watching the two people interact. So if they hug or hold hands or slap each other on the back, that can take on a whole new meaning. And it can also be from something that the two people say about each other. So if the two people being shipped are like real life singers or actors, it might be something that they said about the other person in an interview or the way they're interacting within an interview. And specifically in the world of K-dramas, there's often content that goes around promoting a K-drama. So there are things like magazine photo shoots, which come with additional interviews. They also often film the making of a drama when they actually film the drama, because this gives people a window into the actors' interactions with each other outside of their characters. And so I do think the TV stations take advantage of the idea of shipping, because this sort of content stirs up the imagination of people who want their favorite actors to be together. And then of course in recent years streaming sites have also gotten in on this market and they create extra content on their YouTube channels to allow fans to engage with their favorite actors and often that's asking the actors to come in and play games together and have a good time which they then film for fans and often the fans who ship will also search through these videos for evidence of any kind of secret relationship. And so why do people ship? I think it has a lot to do with parasocial relationships, which are the one-way relationships that we have with celebrities where we think we know them, but what we know is what they choose to show us and what's shown to us via TV stations, editors, directors, and agencies. And with actors, there's also that added layer of projection. So we often know them from a series 
series that we're watching or that we've watched where they play these fictional characters that we love and because they're actors they lend their faces and their mannerisms to those characters and so it's really hard to separate this because they embody those characters that we love and basically we can't think of these characters without thinking of the actors themselves and as a result we do subconsciously think that we know the actors as people so if they fall in love deeply in the k-drama it can feel quite real to the fans who love the story and because the stories are so comforting fans might want them to be real for the people who play those characters as well and then i think another thing is that shipping has a bit of a gambling quality to it so sometimes you hit it lucky and the two actors that you really love actually do fall in love and they end up having a fairy tale ending so the most famous of these which i think a lot of you will know is binjin and this is the mashup couple name for the actors hyunbin and sonya jin and they've worked together a few times in the past but most famously they were a couple in the popular drama crash landing on you and i think sometimes when a couple goes from on screen to real life it can seem like proof that it happens a lot and so it's a bit like winning the lottery there's a small chance but people still bank on it because it gives them this really big sense of hope something to dedicate their time towards so now i want to talk about shipping and whether or not it's normal and what the extremes are and i'm going to say there's a group of people who ship and a group of people who don't ship and then most people are somewhere in between the two it's a bit of a spectrum and i mean this not in terms of the disability but in the same idea of the word in that it's a continuum and different people have different positions and feelings on the idea of shipping and i personally think shipping is normal if it's done casually if it's done as a bit of fun and in support of a series and the actors in the series because i'm sure most people understand and appreciate their favorite actors or characters having chemistry but with that said there's the two extremes of shipping and i do think they can be a bit more unhealthy usually because people who have those very strong views tend to be unhappier with someone who has a different view so they're not very open-minded and they can tend to get quite argumentative and insulting to other people over things that they actually don't know that much about and have no control over on the one hand there are the super dulu or delusional shippers and these are fans who strongly believe without a doubt that their two favorite actors are dating or in love and i don't think that's quite an issue but it's only when it starts to look really unhealthy so for example they might get really aggressive towards other fans who ship their actors with other people or they might say things that are very obsessive for example if one of the actors really is dating someone else in real life they would be cursing that person or hoping that they break up so that this ship becomes real and that sort of behavior strikes me as being quite toxic because you can end up hurting other people's feelings and who knows whether or not your celebrities or their family or friends read this kind of stuff so i think people have to be mindful not to be too extreme if they are shipping but then there's also the other direction which is being a very hardcore anti-shipper and again technically i don't think that's an issue unless you start to be really aggressive towards people who are shipping or even just people who aren't shipping but say that they like two actors being together you get the sort of people who are policing shipping in a very dictatory way and some of this can come in the form of people threatening other people or sending private messages telling people to take down certain things like fan art or fan fiction and that feels kind of aggressive as well and all this is apparently done in the name of protecting their favorite actors but there's definitely been cases where these anti-fans have either created a fan 
fan more or really put off a large portion of the fans from engaging with the actor's work or created a bad reputation for the actor because the fans were so rigid and this has definitely backfired on the person they were supporting. And so I do think that people who are anti-shippers also should be a little bit more flexible because I think they shouldn't treat everyone who shows an interest in the two actors being together as being hardcore shippers. Sometimes people just enjoy the chemistry between two actors and to be honest I think a lot of actors are aware of shipping and they don't mind it because it does show that their acting is effective and as long as fans are not like doing scary things or bombarding them too much most of the time they will just take it as a sign that they are a good actor and very convincing in their character. And so this brings me to the point that most people are actually not on these two extreme ends. I think most people are really happy to see their favorite actors paired up together and bring the chemistry on screen and they might even have fun looking for crumbs between actors off screen but I think most people are aware that there's an element of fantasy in shipping and at the end of the day the two actors have their own individual lives as well and if that means they actually are not together and there's someone else in the picture I think a lot of people know they just have to accept that and be happy for the actors they're supporting and if you're wondering what my personal stance on all this is if you ask me if I'm a shipper I would say definitely not because to me it doesn't matter if two actors that I like that are paired up are together in real life or not but with that said people who are anti-shippers would definitely say that I was a shipper because I do spend a lot of time looking at content with my favorite pairings when I really really like a pairing in a drama and that doesn't happen a lot but when it does I do spend a lot of time on them but I think that's just because I really enjoy very good cast chemistry. I enjoy looking at the friendships that they have and I think it's just really fun when you see them bantering and sharing in jokes and that sense of community that you get particularly when you are the leads and you have to create a sense of romance for everyone else. I also think that the word shipping really simplifies everything because as you can see there are so many attitudes towards this idea of enjoying the closeness of two leading actors or their characters and I hope that people realize that not everything happens at the extreme ends and I hope people think about this when they talk about shipping. So now I'm going to talk about Taebin which is the couple mashup name for Kang Tae-ho and Park Eun-bin, the main actors of Extraordinary Attorney Woo Young-woo and of course there's a lot of love for both actors and a fair amount of shipping for both these actors together because their characters have such a sweet storyline and they've acted pretty cute together in a number of interviews and behind the scenes videos. However, there's also a surprising amount of angst for the shipping because there's a number of things that fans feel are missing and some of these are due to the actors not providing particular fan service and some of these are also because there was less promotional content for Extraordinary Attorney Woo Young Woo compared to other dramas mainly because it was shown on a smaller channel and it also turned out to be a surprise hit which actually meant that they probably didn't need to promote as hard because they knew that everyone was going to tune in and watch the show and this angst has led to I feel a number of conspiracy theories and it's just really weird things like Park and Bin doesn't like Kang Tae-ho or Kang Tae-ho doesn't like Park and Bin and these ideas are so unfounded and even go against what's been proven on camera. So I really want to talk a little bit about those ideas and I think you'll find this podcast comforting whether you're shipping, not shipping or somewhere in between like most of us. So 
my personal goal in this episode is to soothe all those anxieties that people have about Tabin in a very logical and comforting way. But I do want to say that I don't know either actor or their management teams, so you should take everything I say with a grain of salt. But I have been a fan of Korean films and TV shows for a very long time now, and so have learnt a lot of things along the way. And while I don't live in Korea, I have definitely worked with a lot of actors, and that gives you pretty good insight into the acting industry and what that's like. And so I think I definitely get it right some of the time at least. <laughs> and one final point before I get into the thick about Taebin is that the goal is not to convince you that Park Hyun-bin and Kang Tae-ho are dating or anything like that, but it's to dismiss very strange rumors and anxious thoughts that I've heard people saying about these two. And I want to highlight all the good moments that Park Hyun-bin and Kang Tae-ho have shown to prove that they like working with each other and have enjoyed each other's company. And I think people are definitely reading too much into things, which is making them think in the negative. So one of the biggest source of angst that I've seen regarding Taebin is that they haven't posted any selfies together, or in Korean, they're called selkas. And this is a funny one because technically there are selkas of two of them on both actors' accounts, but they're not the sort of clear two-person photo that everyone wants. And so Park and Boon posted group shots with everyone, including Kang Tae-ho when they were filming or hanging out, and Kang Tae-ho posted shots that I assume his agency took of him taking photos of Park and Bin when they filmed a beach scene together at sunset and those photos were pretty but they were silhouette photos and Kang Tae-ho did post some of their Netflix selkas but these were taken with Kang Ki-young when the three of them were promoting so there wasn't any clear photos of just him and Park Yun-bin together and actually in a way this is still considered better than some actors who have never taken photos with anyone that they were paired together with or never posted them not even a group photo but for some weird reason it is still causing angst in this fandom and so why do people feel so strongly about this? I would say that it actually comes down to comparison. A lot of people are comparing the fact that Park and bin has not posted many photos with Kang Tae-ho but she did post a lot of photos with her past co-star which was Rowan when they did The King's Affection and then Kang Tae-ho is in quite a few photos on Soo Young's Instagram account. Soo Young is of course from Girls' Generation, but was also his co-star when they did the romantic sports drama Run On. So some fans feel sad because they take this to be a sign that Park Eun-bin and Kang tae do not like each other. And I think that's one of the problems with shipping and fangirling. I think a lot of the time there are these two extremes and when people get anxious, they go to one extreme or the other, which is that they believe that either two stars are madly in love and hiding that, or they are hating each other and can't possibly stand the sight of each other. And I just think that these two extremes are probably very rare and probably like 97% of the time the actors are really good friends, they have formed a friendship from filming every day, or at the very least they are good acquaintances. And I would say that most of the time the bonding experience of filming is like going to a school camp or doing an overseas exchange. You spend such an intense amount of time with the other people, particularly the person you're paired with, that it's very rare that you won't get along with them. And so linking this back to the Selkas, I'll be the first to say that I'd love a Selka of these two. But I'm also going to say that I don't believe it means they don't like each other or that they like their old co-stars more. 
if they don't post a selfie or a selka together. So the first thing I want to point out is that we lack a lot of context to the Instagram accounts of celebrities. And in a way, celebrity interaction used to be such a mystery to us when Instagram and TikTok and things like that weren't available. And now that it is available, it's been a blessing and a curse because now we feel like we know them so much more since there's seemingly personalized content coming directly from them. But at the same time, we don't actually know a lot about them because a lot of this is carefully managed and crafted by the team behind the celebrity. And technically the social media of celebrities belong in some way to their agencies. And even if they appear to be a window into the star's lives, you don't really know about the rules and guidelines that might govern what they can post. And sometimes the actors' accounts are actually run by their managers or their PR teams or someone like that. With this in mind, I'm going to say that Park Eun-bin did take more selkers during her time when she filmed The King's Affection compared to Extraordinary Attorney Woo Young-woo, but I don't think it means that she doesn't like hanging out with Kang tae or that she didn't take any pictures of him, or that it has some other sort of sinister meaning. And so I'm going to look at the logical reasons about why this happened, and hopefully this will be comforting to you when you hear what I have to say. So my first point is that actors often take more behind the scenes photos when they film period dramas compared to other genres of dramas and The King's Affection was definitely a period drama whereas Extraordinary Attorney Woo Young Woo was not and even though there were costumes for Extraordinary Attorney Woo Young Woo there were also sensitivities surrounding those sort of costumes and so we'll talk a little bit about that. So I don't know if you've noticed that this is the case when it comes to period dramas that actors are always really charmed when they tend to do these sort of dramas because I think there's something fun about wearing costumes that you normally wouldn't wear in real life. So I feel like there's more reasons to take selfies or photos. And with Park and Bin, I think her agency obviously liked her dressed up and they took a lot of photos of her and her co-stars wearing the fun outfits that they otherwise never would wear. And when you compare this to Extraordinary Attorney Woo Young Woo, it was not a period drama. And even though Park and Bin did have a very well-loved aesthetic, which was used to portray Woo Young Woo, Using that costume as something promotional might seem as a bit of an insult or offensive in terms of marketing. And there was actually a controversy where some social media influencers were seen to be imitating Woo Young Woo. They dressed up in the same clothes as her and acted like her apparently. And the public opinion was scathing and rightfully so because this sort of behavior can lead to bullying. And so you don't want that to happen very easily and Park Bin herself gave a message that people shouldn't be imitating Woo Young Woo even if their intention is not to poke fun at her and so I think she herself was also very careful when it came to posting selfies about Woo Young Woo. She was being careful not to cause any controversies and she mentioned many times in interviews that she was really anxious about accidentally doing the wrong thing or showing the wrong image in this role so I'm not surprised that she didn't post as many selfies in this drama and I think she felt stressed 
that if she was to post with her co-star and it was taken out of context, especially when she was dressed as Wu Young Woo, that it would cause some sort of trouble. I mean, if you look at her individual posts, she often used a lot of promotional stills rather than her own individual photos. And so I think you can see her being very careful this time around. And when it comes to individual photos, that leads me to my second point. I think a lot of so-called personal Instagram photos are actually taken by managers and agents and I think Park Bin's agency Namu did take a lot more photos during the King's Affection era when you compare it to extraordinary attorney Wu Young Woo. And those photos from the King's Affection do look so candid, right? But unfortunately, I'm going to say a lot of them are agency photos where a staffer from the agency has said, hey, you guys look good together. Let's take a photo. And this doesn't always happen with every celebrity because I think if you look at some of Goara's photos, you can definitely tell that she takes her own photos because they're always from that unusual selfie angle, if you know what I mean. But back to Park and Bin, I feel like she allows her agency to handle a lot more of the photo taking because she herself has said that she likes to have a very pure image and she is someone who likes to be very careful. And so with the behind the scenes Instagram photos of Rowan and Park and Bin that she posted on her Instagram, I will say that there is actually a way to show you that these are agency photos. And that's because the CEO of Park Bin's agency, Namu, also has the exact same photographs on his Instagram as well. I'll link his Instagram account in the show notes if you want to have a look. So these photos are unlikely to be personal photos since it's unlikely that the CEO would ask Park Bin for her personal photos with another actor from another agency just so he could post it on his own Instagram. That's just a very big stretch of logic and just doesn't quite make sense. So it's logical to see that those photos were ones that were taken by her agency and could be accessed by all staff members in the company, including the CEO. So I don't want people to get the wrong idea. I'm not saying that Park and Bin didn't enjoy taking photos with Rowan. I'm not saying that her agency made her take photos or anything like that. But I'm just saying that whether she took more photos with Rowan or Kang Teo is not necessarily a personal choice or preference on her part, but it may have been the choice of her agency her managers and staff members who decided to take more photos of her at particular times when she was filming and so therefore it doesn't necessarily or accurately reflect her personal feelings about her co-stars. It doesn't represent that she likes Kang Teo less than her previous co-star and it doesn't represent that she likes her previous co-star more than Kang Teo. But then I feel like people would be asking other questions like why did her agency take less photos of her and Kang Teo together? Didn't her agency like him? And I think the answer is that they didn't have an issue with Kang Teo at all, but they were just trying to market extraordinary attorney Wu Young Woo and Park Yun Bin without causing any controversies. And I think it goes back to that idea that they were always careful not to overpost about this drama and also not to reduce Wu Young Woo's character to just her romance line, since the story is meant to be about her own growth and development. And so moving on to my third point about why potentially there were less selfies between Kang Teo and Park and Bin and I think that's because the genre of the drama matters in how the actors choose to self-promote on social media and The King's Affection was a romance whereas Extraordinary Attorney Wu Young Woo was a growth story with sensitivities around the main character and then it did also have a very strong romance line but that was not considered the main genre of the drama and it seems actors tend to post more when the drama genre is classified more clearly 
clearly as a romance and there's not really as many other genres for the drama. And I do say this as a sweeping generalization since there'll always be exceptions to this rule. Some actors still won't post with their co-stars at all and some actors will post heaps with all kinds of co-stars. But I think this is a pretty safe pattern that you start to notice once you look at the Instagram accounts of many stars. For example, Kim Sejong posted heaps when she was doing business proposal which was a romance with her co-star An Hyo Sop. But in her next drama which is currently airing she's posted nothing with Nam Yoon Soo who she is starring with in today's webtoon. And it's quite likely that this is because this drama is a work drama and their romance line is pretty mildly implied. Another example is Jung So Min. So she posted a lot of pictures with her co-star Kim Ji Suk in Monthly Home magazine because that drama was classified as a romance and admittedly they are also best friends in real life. But she posted no photos with Lee Jae-wook in Alchemy of Souls probably because that was a historical fantasy comedy drama and it did also have a romance line that was quite strong but it wasn't the only type of drama that it was. I think you can start to see a bit of a pattern. I don't believe that actresses conveniently fall in love with the actors that they get put into romance dramas with and not like any of the actors that they're not in romance dramas with. I just think that they know how to market these things because they're well aware that when they're in a romance drama they'll be heavy shipping with their co-stars. I guess they just haven't thought about the fact that if they're in a drama that is not a romance drama but still has a strong romance line that maybe they should be using the same tactics to promote because people get very very invested if they don't. And The King's Affection was a historical romance and so Park and Bin did post more with her co-star Rowan but Extraordinary Attorney Woo Young Woo is actually classified as a legal drama and that could be why there were less photos posted with her and Kang Tae together. In the past traditionally Park and Bin doesn't really post that much with her co-stars if it's not needed for promoting a romance drama so for example when she was in Hot Stove League she rarely took photos with her male co-stars in that drama and so I don't really think it's unusual that she has taken less photos with Kang Tae when you consider the pattern that she usually has on her Instagram account. It's just interesting because for a drama not classified as a romance, the romance line is so strong that sometimes you forget it's actually a legal drama and more centrally it's about the journey of a woman who deals with the challenges brought on from society still having discriminations against those with disabilities. And I think Park and Bin didn't want Woo Young Woo's individual story to be overshadowed and that could be why there are very few selkers and none with just her and Kang Tae together. My fourth point about why there may be less photos with Park and Bin and Kang Tae is that the popularity of drama also affects how much actors give fan service and if it's building popularity sometimes there will be more shippy content put out on the actors Instagram accounts to encourage interest. But if a drama becomes too popular and one or more of the actors becomes really really famous they sometimes cool things down and don't bother posting anything very shippy at all. And I think the blessing and the curse of Extraordinary Attorney Bu Young Woo becoming so popular so quickly is that the actors didn't really have to work as hard to promote it in some ways. I'm not saying that they didn't put in enough time with interviews 
interviews and things like that. I'm just saying that they didn't have to think about promoting it on their social media accounts. That's a bit different for when a drama isn't so popular or is just in the mid-ground and looking to push another milestone with ratings. When that's the case, sometimes the cast has to work a little bit more to give it a push over the next viewing hurdle. And sometimes this might be through official avenues like TV stations doing more interviews or game segments with the cast. But sometimes this is done through cast members posting more photos and selfies. And I think it's not unusual in Taiwanese drama land to notice that the actors work incredibly hard to promote their dramas. So when I was watching this drama earlier in the year called Rainless Love in a Godless Land, the cast would meet up every single week to watch the episode together and they would live stream that to fans via like Instagram live or Facebook live and it was just so fun watching them because they obviously really got along together. They were at one of the actors houses watching and commentating together and I really like that and I do miss that when I watch K-dramas because obviously K-drama stars are a lot bigger and their time is probably more limited and the industry is quite big so you probably don't get to be as close to your co-stars as you do in the Taiwanese industry. But back to K-drama land I also have noticed that sometimes the opposite happens. If a drama is really popular and some of the actors get their big breaks the other actors are a bit wary of posting too much about their co-star or with their co-star. For example Rowan doesn't have a single selfie with his co-star Hayun from Extraordinary You and they were a really popular pairing and it's well known that they had a good friendship because all the side actors always talked about their group chats and how they played along with each other and everyone else and I think this is because their popularity really blew up and they wanted to manage the extreme fandom by being more mild on their social media and so I think this might also be the same when it comes to Park and Bin and Kang Obviously the drama was doing very well and being mentioned everywhere and because Park and Bin was probably aware of Kang popularity blowing up and so she may have just posted less not because she didn't want to take any photos with him or not because she didn't enjoy Kang company but because she didn't want to be in the way of his rising star. And look a lot of people have been more focused on Park Eunbin's Instagram account but actually if you look at Kang Instagram account he also doesn't really post that much with his past co-stars. He does have a few photos here and there but usually it's like a group picture or a official still. But on this point Kang Tao in the past has taken some very couply looking Polaroids with his co-stars but that was not something that he did for his own Instagram. It was because the TV stations were running competitions and the prizes they gave out were photos of Kang Tao and his co-stars looking like their character couples. And so one example of this is that he did this with Soo Young for Run On and then Soo Young posted a picture of the Polaroids on her Instagram account. And I think Soo Young also did have a few other pictures with Kang Tao on her account when they starred in Run On. I feel like Soo Young's one of those celebrities who's really comfortable with posting with all her co-stars and in real life I think she's been in a relationship with her partner for like nine years so there's less scrutiny and shipping when she does do this kind of stuff. Whereas it's a bit different for Kang Tae and Park Eun Bin because they are people who both present as being single and I think Park Eun Bin is someone who's very conscious about her image. She has a particularly pure looking image and so she has to be really careful to maintain that 
And on top of that, she has a lot of male fans. And I think sometimes when there's shipping involved, it can really alienate certain fans. So I think she doesn't really try to bring that out. And so when you combine that with Kang Tae-ro becoming really famous and having heaps and heaps of fangirls and also being everyone's favorite at the moment, I feel like Park and Bim would be nervous to be linked too closely to Kang Tae-ro if they are both presenting as being single stars. So the fifth point I want to make is that even though they're both actors and celebrities, different actors have different attitudes towards taking selfies. And Kang Tae-ro has said in an interview that he's not really that big on taking pictures and he usually just gets them taken by people from his agency and they send him a copy to download and to post whatever he wants to post. And I think that's true because if you look at his Instagram account, there are pretty much no photos at that awkward selfie angle. Whereas if you look at some of Park and Bin's past co-stars like Rowan, you can see that he frequently takes selfies. And then when you look at the King's Affection photos, some of them were taken by him because of the angle. And you can really tell because he's quite tall. So he was the one who was doing the photography. But my point is everyone's a little bit different and some people love taking selfies and some people don't. And don't we all have friends who are those kind of individuals, like people who love taking selfies and people who really hate it? And for your friends that hate taking selfies, it doesn't mean that you don't like hanging out with them or that you're not close just because you don't post a selfie, right? Because you're respecting their decision not to be in pictures that they don't want to be in. So that's why you don't really take any with them or post any with them. And sometimes people don't mind being in selfies, but they don't actively seek to do it. And so if you're also someone like that, then the two of you, when you hang together, don't think, oh, I must take a picture together because that's just not how you are when you hang together. And so maybe there's not very many pictures of you guys hanging out, but it doesn't mean that you don't like these friends, right? And so to come full circle, I guess if Kang Tae-ro doesn't really think about taking selfies or he doesn't really like taking selfies, then maybe the reason there's not very many selfies is because him and Park and Bin just enjoy hanging out together. They don't need to take a selfie to prove anything. And I think that's the thing. Selfies don't actually prove that anyone is close to anyone. It just proves that the two people like to take photos, if that makes sense. So to sum up, what does this lack of selfies say about them? Do they dislike each other? My answer is that unless there's some other evidence that comes to light that proves otherwise, it's pretty clear to infer that Park and Bin and Kang Tae-ro get along and they did take photos of each other. There's many pictures and videos showing that Kang Tae-ro helped Park and Bin to take photos when they were at pretty locations on the beach. So there's those sunset photos that he posted on his Instagram. And he was also doing it so enthusiastically when they went to Jeju Island to shoot that breakup scene. And you can see in the behind the scenes video that he gets in all these different positions just so he can capture her at different angles. If you don't know what I'm talking about, I'll link the video down below in the show notes. But basically Kang Tae-ro did help Park and Bin to take a lot of photos when they were shooting together. And those are either on his phone or her phone, but it's on one of their phones. And then another hint that they all have more photos of each other or photos taken together is that Kang Tae-ro has said in an interview that they have a group chat where they talk about many things, but also ask each other for permission before they post any photos on social media. And one last thing, although it's not really about selfies, but it's about official stills. There are a bunch of pictures of Wu Young Wu and Jun Ho together that somehow have not been published. And this has been proven because recently they have started to send out the extraordinary attorney Wu Young Wu official soundtrack and some of the goodies that come 
album with the soundtrack includes stickers and there's this sticker that shows a picture that has never been released and it's Junho and Woo Young Woo together so therefore Kang Tae and Park Eun Bin together and that photo was actually released by Kang Tae agency but only with a picture of him so they sort of cut out Park Eun Bin because they don't really manage her and I think sometimes agencies are a little bit funny about featuring stars they don't manage but there's also a whole bunch of pictures like that on Kang Tae's agency website where you can see in the corner that it's really clear Park Eun Bin is right next to him but for some weird reason if there is a official still they haven't released it yet or they plan to release it as some sort of special thing maybe they plan to release it with the blu-ray dvd who knows but for some weird reason there's a lot of gatekeeping of these pictures and so my point is it's not like Park Eun Bin and Kang Tae have control over that and so I do think a lot of context is missing there's just so many reasons why photos may or may not be posted and it's not a commentary on personal feelings about two stars liking or disliking each other. So that's the topic of not taking pictures together. But another source of angst or conspiracy theories about Taebin comes from the behind the scenes videos and while I can kind of see where some of this comes from, I do also think that again people read too much into things and often that comes from comparing both Park and Bin and Kang Tae's past dramas and pairings. And I think if you only watched the Extraordinary Attorney Woo Young Woo behind the scenes, you would think, wow, these two are so cute together. But comparison is totally the thief of joy. And people who've gone back to look at the behind the scenes videos of Park and Bin's past dramas, including Do You Like Brahms and The King's Affection, often feel like she's more playful with her past co-stars. And then they start to worry, what does that mean? Does she not like Kang Tae? And so I went to rewatch some of these videos and I had to laugh because I really don't think that's the case unless proven otherwise. Again, I think there's a lot of context that we don't get and I'm going to talk about some of these things. So my first point is that behind the scenes videos really do depend on the person who captures the footage and who edits it. And in terms of Extraordinary Attorney Woo Young Woo, A Story, the company who looks after this, I'm not really sure that they included all the best parts of the behind the scenes footage. And that may be because they might again be saving this for the Blu-ray DVD, which is something that they could charge for. But in any case, I don't think that we got the best footage all the time. The reason I say this is because I keep finding bits of footage that they didn't include in their official behind the scenes videos posted on their YouTube channel. As someone who really likes the behind the scenes footage videos and has watched a lot of them over the years, I can tell you that traditionally K-drama behind the scenes videos have never been as fun as watching Taiwanese ones. Mainly because Taiwanese stars are super playful behind the scenes and instead of having footage where the actors are literally just filming the scenes. The making footage is more focused on showing the actors between takes where they play actors, their characters, and make up silly make-believe scenes. They might sometimes do mini interviews with the crew members where they talk to the camera and give tours around the set, or they sit around just bantering with the other actors and having fun. And it feels natural and it shows the real chemistry between the actors as well as their actual personalities outside of their characters. And Korean making videos in comparison are not so live 
beautifully. And I think that's actually on purpose to protect from giving away too much of what the actors are actually like in real life. Because I think the Korean drama industry is a lot more conservative in that way. In fact, a lot of the time they literally show the filming of the footage that ends up in the drama, which is a bit redundant since you already see the better edited version when you watch the drama. But I have noticed in recent years that they've been improving this. Sometimes in the making videos they do do that thing where the camera person or crew member asks the actor what they're doing and then they'll give a bit of a mock interview or be silly in front of the camera and I've noticed that this happened a lot with The King's Affection and Do You Like Brahms? They showed the actors just being candid and laughing together and talking to the camera and to be honest this did happen a little bit with Extraordinary Attorney Wu Young Wu as well. So for example you saw it when you saw the behind the scenes for the breakup where Kang tae and Park Eun-bin are in Jeju Island and they talk about seeing the dolphins and that was playful because they're talking to the camera and they're just really excited about the dolphins. And then it was just cute because Park Eun-bin was really teasing towards Kang tae and just saying that everyone was making fun of him and didn't really believe that he saw dolphins when he said he saw them. And so that's the kind of behind the scenes content that people like to see, something that's a bit more candid, that shows them outside of their characters. But unfortunately I think the reason why people get a little bit paranoid about the extraordinary attorney Wu Young Wu behind the scenes is because it doesn't have enough of this type of content when you compare it to Park and Bin's past dramas like Do You Like Brahms and The King's Affection. You can kind of see that they included much more of this type of content whereas the behind the scenes videos for extraordinary attorney Wu Young Wu were more of the kind that showed filming and also footage of the actors figuring out how the scene would play out when they were acting it out for the camera. And of course this sort of footage had its perks as well because obviously there was a lot of fun and chemistry when you watch Kang tae and Park Eun-bin figuring out how Jun-ho was meant to hug Woo Young-woo to calm her down and they laughed a lot and hugged each other a lot as they were trying to figure out the best way to present this aesthetically in the drama. And then another behind the scenes footage that I really like with Park Eun-bin and Kang tae is the scene where they're figuring out how Woo Young-woo and Jun-ho should be behaving. The first time that Jun-ho uses that I'm disappointed line because he's disappointed that her heart doesn't race when he's around. And watching that behind the scenes content was really funny because Park and bin teases Kang tae and says that his lines are cheesy and he pretends to look hurt. And then they test run their positions and Kang tae gets really close to her. So this sort of footage showed how much fun the two actors had while working together. And it also showed how in sync they were with each other as well as with their characters. But I guess the other type of footage that I was talking about where they're sort of having fun in between takes was not really as included in Extraordinary Attorney Woo Young Woo's behind the scenes. And I think this is what caused that sense of paranoia because people want to see Park and bin and Kang tae having fun in between the takes as well. But I guess with this production company, I think unfortunately they just didn't shoot and edit the behind the scenes in that way. And then I can still sense that some people would be like, but Jen, I don't think that they were like that. They just weren't playful around each other. So if you still feel this way, I'm going to introduce two ideas that will help you put this idea to rest. So my first piece of evidence, and I'm starting to feel a bit like a lawyer now, is actually that montage of little clips that you see at the start of every behind the scenes video. And it just shows a lot of mini scenes of the cast and crew having fun and laughing while shooting the drama. And you can see from that that there's many, many moments that they haven't 
captured or that they have captured but haven't chosen to include in the behind the scenes video and a lot of the time it looks like they're in between takes and there's a number of times you see Park and Bin and Kang Tae laughing at something that the other person has said but you can't really hear what they've said and it's only like a few seconds but I'm hoping those few seconds when you watch them will help you to see that they actually did get along and they just didn't really capitalize on this in the behind the scenes videos. Another point I want to make goes back to something I said earlier on in that there's a lot of footage that is floating around but these show other moments when they were filming and it also hints at moments where they had fun and laughed together as well. And then the third reason why I think these two do have really good chemistry and a story didn't always deliver that is because there's also other sorts of things like the games that they played with Netflix and the swoon but basically you can see them being really playful to each other in those games and the way that they looked at each other and almost burst out laughing when Kung Tero was asked to list two of Park and Bin's charms really suggests that they had some sort of in joke or that she knew him so well that he would say something silly and so you can really see that they do get along and have fun hanging with each other and then one last thing I want to talk about in terms of production companies and editing of behind the scenes is that someone else on Twitter said that this was the same production company doing the behind the scenes for Big Mouth and I'm personally not watching Big Mouth so I can't really say whether this is true or not but they felt that the behind the scenes videos for that were also very awkwardly edited and so it might not be the strength of this production company when it comes to putting together behind the scenes footage. In any case I am hoping that they saved a lot of behind the scenes footage for the Blu-ray DVD because that is something that they normally do and more than any trading card or poster or other goodies they include with the DVD I would rather just be getting all the fun moments behind the scenes with Park and Bin and Kung Tao. So that point had a lot of mini sub points but I'm actually going to move on to what is really my second point and that is that a lot of fans were a bit suspicious of Park and Bin because apparently she doesn't seem to make a lot of eye contact with Kung Tao and she's apparently not that touchy-feely with him as she might have been with some of her past co-stars and some people view this as a negative in that she doesn't like Kung Tao and couldn't stand the side of him while others also view it as a extreme positive in that she is secretly having an affair with him and they don't want to give it away but I think this one is actually pretty obvious without going to either extremes and I think it's also being confirmed in an interview that Park and Bin gave which I have to look up so that I can link down below and it's that a lot of actors practice their characters or stay in character between takes so they don't have to keep switching on and off and Park and Bin herself mentioned that she did do a lot of things differently and she did act in a very lonely way sometimes on set to try to understand the character of Woo Young Woo better. Some of the things she did included not looking at other people so much, eating alone on set at lunch times and just actions like that to keep in her own world. So I think a lot of this speculation about Park and Bin not looking at people properly, especially Kang Tae has to do with that. And honestly from acting in that role she probably was used to being Woo Young Woo and playing the role of being in her own world and also letting Kang Tae practice his role of reaching out to her the way that Junho does. And so I think people shouldn't be so paranoid. It is probably a carryover from their acting. And even if let's say it wasn't, this brings me to my third point, which is that this role was extremely energy intensive for Park and Bin. I don't know if people really know, although I think Park and Bin and even Kang Tae 
Pryor have mentioned this in their interviews, Park and Bin started working on Extraordinary Attorney Wu Young Woo about two weeks after she finished The King's Affection, so it must have been extremely exhausting to slide from one role into another. And not only that, but both roles were pretty intensive in that it's not just playing like the girl next door. In The King's Affection, she was obviously someone who was hiding a big secret and had to dress in the opposite gender. And then in Extraordinary Attorney Wu Young Woo, she also had many, many lines which were difficult and highly factual to say whether she was talking about whales or legal jargon. I think memorizing the lines would have taken so long, but she also had to say them with feeling and make them look very convincing. But also in that role, it wasn't just about memorizing lines. It involved acting constantly with her face, her body and hand gestures, and even changing the natural tone of her voice. As her acting partner in this project, I think Kang Tae-ho really knew this and he often tried to cheer her up. And you can see this with his silly 4D type characteristics when he's rocking her about or when they were play fighting on set. And I also think that sometimes he tried to match her moods as well. Like when she was playful, he was playful, but when she was reserved, he was also reserved. And I think that's pretty nice because they were very much in sync and it's not like he was acting hyper when she was really tired or anything like that. And I think what I am inferring about Kang Tae-ho makes a lot of sense. If you read an interview that he did with Star One magazine, where he said, I learned a lot from Park and Bin and I respect her a lot. She must've had a hard time playing Wu Young Woo, but she always smiled. She never showed any signs of difficulty. So none of us dared to show signs of hardship. And he laughs at this point. There were many lines and even though it was hard, I saw Young Woo smiling all the time. And then I would say, look at Young Woo, we all have to smile more. And then that would cheer me up more. She's always been the center of this work. And so I think it's not a stretch to infer that he was someone who was really matching her moods and aware of what she was feeling and that he was probably trying to be playful when she was playful or to give her some space when she was tired. Also, I'm not sure if a lot of people noticed, but actually a lot of Wu Young Woo and Jun Ho's scenes together were shot at night. And so it would make sense if both Park and Bin and Kang Tae-ho were sometimes a little less energetic in their behind the scenes because they were probably tired from shooting at night or shooting the night before. And to be honest, when I look at the shooting for the night scenes, I do think they were both quite like playful and cheerful, but I think sometimes these late nights caught up with them. And if they looked a little bit more reserved during the day shoots, that was probably due to tiredness. And now I want to move on to a fourth point, which is that the length of a drama and the genre of the drama can influence what gets shown in the behind the scenes. So for Park and Bin, her last two projects were romance dramas, Do You Like Brahms and The King's Affection. And because the characters had more romantic scenes together, they would have more opportunities to make fun of and play around with the romantic scenes in the behind the scenes videos. So for example, sometimes when they were figuring out the scenes for The King's Affection, there would be some fun, playful behavior where they would make fun of what the characters would do, like Rowan would pretend to pick up Park and Bin. And so that sort of stuff would happen. And you might be thinking, but Extraordinary Attorney Wu Young Woo also has a lot of romantic scenes. But the main difference is there wouldn't have been a chance for that sort of behavior because in that drama, the character is not very comfortable with touch. So there were limitations due to the storylines and also the way the drama was to be promoted with all the sensitivities around the storylines. The other thing is that the drama length and genre also determine how much time the main couple get scenes together and therefore how much they get to shoot together and therefore how much behind the scenes content there actually is. So The King's Affection was 20 episodes. 
and it was a period drama and a romance and so there were probably more scenes that Park and Bin and Rowan had to shoot together and so probably that's why there's a lot of behind the scenes footage for them compared to Extraordinary Attorney Wu Yang Wu. And similarly with Do You Like Brahms, even though it was the same episode length as Extraordinary Attorney Wu Yang Wu, it was a romance drama and a college romance drama. And so I think there were a lot more chances for Kim Min Jae and Park and Bin to shoot together compared to Kang Tae and Park and Bin. And that's the same for Run On as well. And so I think some people might find that a little bit sad, but I think it's actually pretty amazing that uh, Park and Bin and Kang Tae have such a chemistry given that they probably had less scenes together and that's why there's probably fewer behind the scenes but they still managed to build this amazing chemistry on screen as you can see how popular the drama is compared to these other dramas and also you can see how great their friendship is in the behind the scenes and so now I want to talk about something else that is also a very big source of angst for all those people who really really love Taebin and that is the fact that in the last behind the scenes video where most of the time it's the last time the cast are seeing each other and they usually hug each other goodbye when it's their final scene. This didn't happen with the leads of Extraordinary Attorney Wu Young Woo. So there is no footage of Kong Tae and Park Eun Bin sharing a hug and some fans were really upset about this because apparently they felt like Park Eun Bin had hugged everyone on the set except Kong Tae. But I'm going to say that having watched that video a few times that is definitely an exaggeration. And I want to say just because they didn't hug or because it wasn't shown on camera that they hugged, that it doesn't mean that these two actors do not like each other or don't have a good relationship behind the scenes. The first piece of context that I want to share is that it's quite likely that Park Eun-bin and Kang tae actually finished on different shoots. And so that might have made it really awkward to give each other a hug. Whereas in a lot of other dramas, I've noticed that the main couple is likely to finish on the same shoot and I think it just makes it natural and easier to reach over and hug the person that you finished your last shoot with. The other context where it's not so awkward to hug your co-stars is if you guys all finish in some big group shoot and then everyone hugs everyone. And look if Park Eun Bin and Kang Tae had finished in a large group shoot and they had literally hugged every single person aside from each other then I would feel that there was something very wrong between these two co-stars. But that's not what happened and I think what happened is that actually Kang tae finished his scenes a lot earlier and not only that but he finished his scenes in one of those really quiet shoots where it was only a handful of cast members and also he was probably the only actor that finished in that scene. Whereas Park and bin finished in one of those really dramatic courtroom scenes where they had a lot of actors there and then the director asked all the other cast members who had finished earlier like Kang Tae to come back so they could take the group photo and do a bit of a celebration. At this point you might be wondering how do you know this and also wondering what this has to do with hugs. So I think this is quite a logical conclusion to come to because of the clothes that they were wearing when they received their bouquets. So I'm not sure if everyone knows but most of the time actors get like a bouquet when they finish a K-drama probably from their crew members or from the director 
director. And often they record a final interview, which is like an exit interview where they talk about how fun it was filming the drama and they thank their co-stars. And sometimes they talk a little bit about meeting their co-stars after the drama ends. And the clothes that Kang Tae was wearing was this sort of like white shirt, whitish kind of blazer. And so in the final behind the scenes video, you can see which scene they were shooting by looking for Kang Tae wearing this outfit. And so you can see that that scene was really a tiny courtroom scene, which only really had the main cast of Hanbada and the two guest cast for that legal case that week. And if that was his final scene, which is quite likely, it would have been a really quiet final scene to finish on. It seems like it was so quiet, in fact, that A Story didn't even really include the footage for Kang Tae final scene in the behind the scenes video, which is very odd given that he's the lead. But basically, I guess if Park Eun Bin had hugged him at his final scene then, it wouldn't have been shown. Whereas they made a big deal when three of the characters finished up, which was Woo Young Woo's boss, Woo Young Woo's best friend, and the hairy boss from the restaurant. And that's why people felt like Park Eun Bin had hugged all these other actors, because they focused on that scene where these three characters wrapped up, but they didn't really have a scene of Kang Tae's final moments shooting on set. But then I think there'll be some people that will say, well, in the final behind the scenes video, there is Park Eun Bin and Kang Tae shooting a night scene outside of that kimbap restaurant that Woo Young Woo's father owns. And then everyone takes a huge group photo outside of that. Why wouldn't they have hugged then? And I think the answer to that was that it wasn't actually anyone's final scene. It was just the last time they were shooting outside the kimbap restaurant, which was so iconic to Woo Young Woo's identity. So they were just taking a photo with the crew members to have a memory of this. And because it was neither Park and Bin nor Kang Tae's final shoot, it wouldn't have made sense for them to be hugging, especially in front of so many crew members. And so I guess that brings us to Park and Bin's final shoot, which was this big celebration because there were a lot of actors there. And then all the actors that had finished earlier were asked to come back so that they could do a final photo. And of course, Kang Tae was there as well. But really, if you watch this behind the scenes video, Park and Bin wasn't going around hugging everyone. She really just hugged the director and then I think there was just a lot of interacting because so many people were there. And so if they didn't hug here, it wasn't personal either. And also, I guess it just would have been kind of strange because she didn't really hug anyone except the director. Also, even the camera person seemed kind of distracted in that scene because they were just trying to capture all these little things that were happening at every little angle of the room. And so my point is not to take this no hug business so personally and to think that two people do not like each other just because they weren't shown hugging. I think that if there was a hug, it probably wasn't captured on camera. And if there wasn't a hug, it wasn't because people hated each other. It was because they were so distracted and there were so many people around. And sometimes you just don't think about these things because you like everyone on set. So what is the status of Park and Bin and Kang Tae when you're looking at the behind the scenes footage? Because it seems funny. Some people will seem to think that they're very close and some people seem to think they're not close at all. And I think if you look at the footage by itself without comparing it to any of their past dramas, I think it's fine. I think they're quite close. I think it's just the way that the videos have been edited. Part of the problem is because Park and Bin went from one romantic pairing to another, a lot of people tend to just compare what happened in the last series to this one, especially in things like the behind the scenes. People just need to remember that every actor's relationship with other actors is different and that's not necessarily worse 
worse off or better off. It's just like you having many friends and the way you relate to them all is very different. And what I see when Park and Bin and Kang Tae interact is that she teases him a lot and that is a type of closeness in itself because she can be so honest with him and make fun of the way that he does something and it'll just be really chill. It'll be something that will be laughed at by the both of them and they'll think of another way to do what they're doing. And even though the behind the scenes videos could have been edited better, there are still some really great moments and you really always see Park and Bin telling Kang Tae that his lines are cheesy or play slapping him or teasing him about how he's not hugging her right by hugging him back or joking about the fact that nobody believed Kang Tae when he said he saw dolphins. And so I think people need to appreciate these moments of playfulness between the two of them. And actually there are some real moments of tenderness between them. Like when they were filming the scene where Wu Young Woo lets Jun Ho hold her hand for 50 something seconds. And when they were actually filming that scene, Park Eun Bim was like stroking Kang Tae's hand, which is definitely not in the script or in line with her character who would not be doing that. And I can already see shippers getting really excited about this fact if they didn't know about it already. But the point I want to make is that they definitely enjoy working together and I don't think you would stroke someone's hand even absentmindedly if you didn't care about them at least as a friend or as shippers believe if not more. And from the other side, Kang Tae also looks after Park and Bin quite a bit. Like when they're filming the scene at the Huckberry tree, she has to film a lot of scenes where she pretends to fall down and every time she does that she sort of accumulates a lot of dust and like leaves in her hair and you can see Kang Tae like brushing that out of her hair and picking her up and making sure she doesn't slip. All those sort of things that show that you care about the person that you're working with. And so given these nice moments that you see speckled throughout the behind the scenes, I think it's kind of ridiculous that people still make up these rumors or take on these anxious ideas that these two dislike each other in some way. And unless there's some sort of really hard evidence in that their agencies come out and say that they hate working with each other or something like that, why bother wasting time in your life entertaining these really negative ideas in your head? I would just rewatch the behind the scenes videos and enjoy all these tender, subtle moments that these two have instead of comparing Tabian with their past co-stars and worrying about all these relationships that may or may not exist outside of what you know. Because if you enjoy being a fan of certain actors or dramas or even if you want to ship, I think it's supposed to be fun and not causing people stress and what I see a lot of the time when I look at fandoms is people stressing out so much which doesn't even make sense and a lot of this angst is pretty much self-inflicted because people don't want to accept what is being shown to them directly in the behind the scenes. They want to read between the lines but then they don't consider the context which is also something you need to consider when you're reading between the lines because you need to realize that there's actually a wider world that you don't know about that is also influencing your actors while they are filming together. So I know this has been a long segment on Tabin already but I still have a little bit more to say and the last things I want to talk about because I always hear about them being a source of anxiety and that's the things that happen around the interviews, the fan meets and the photo shoots. So for this drama there wasn't a photo shoot and that made everyone really really sad because it just meant no additional content. Because I guess the point of a photo shoot is to have the main leads take some 
really nice pictures together and also usually they record like an interview that goes along with that and that would have just shown them interacting outside of the drama and so once or twice I did see some comments that were a little bit paranoid about why there wasn't a photo shoot and it's actually not as unusual as some people may think. There are a lot of dramas for some weird reason that don't get photo shoots and it doesn't matter about the ratings it's like some dramas that do really well do not get a photo shoot and some that do terribly get a photo shoot. So in the past I could never quite work this one out but recently I was thinking about it and I think it's actually easier to understand than you think. So I would say if I had to guess that it's a scheduling thing between the agencies, the actors and the magazines. So obviously when people make a magazine it has to be prepared monthly and they plan their spreads like way in advance and they only have limited space to feature a drama at a time and there's so many dramas in Korea so I guess I have to pick carefully. And I think this is one of the reasons that worked against Extraordinary Attorney Wee Young Woo because most of the time they do the photo shoots before drama comes out and it's based on how popular or vanilla they predict a drama will be and I think with this drama people weren't sure how it would do because it's not sold as a sugary romance. It probably didn't have that much of an appeal for a photo shoot because it was a courtroom drama and it was also a personal growth type of drama with a lot of sensitivities so I don't think the magazines were initially attracted to doing a photo shoot and of course even if they picked this drama they would have had to contact both agencies to figure out a time when the actors could do the shoot and that probably wouldn't have been a problem before the drama came out although it's hard to know with Park and Bin since she's a relatively popular actress and so she always seems to have something on the go but let's assume that they probably both were relatively free at the time since they would probably be promoting for when the drama began but it probably wasn't offered anything and then when the drama finally did start to do amazingly well around the third and fourth episode by that time the magazines had probably already planned and booked their photo shoots for the next month and while it is possible to do a shoot after a drama ends so for example there was this drama called My Liberation Notes where they got the main pair to do a photo shoot after the drama finished. Given how extremely popular Extraordinary Attorney Wee Young Woo turned out to be I think Park Hyun Bin and Kang Tae would probably have been booked out solid as individual celebrities and there's been like a million commercials with each of them in it as well as their own photo shoots and all of these are coming out now which means they would have shot these all a few weeks ago so I think it would have been extremely hard to have booked both of them together especially because they are from different agencies and that requires a whole new level of scheduling as well. So I don't think there's any conspiracy theory about them not working together for a photo shoot but I totally agree that they should have had a photo shoot because they both look so good together aesthetically and also because they have actually done a lot of photo shoots that are very similar and people seem to style them in very matching ways and if you're curious about this I have actually paired up the matching shots and put them on a page dedicated to Park and Bin and Kang Tae on a forum called Janghaven so you can check out the link in my show notes if you're interested. It's a fun place to chat so if you're missing this drama come and join us for a chat and everyone's pretty nice there so none of those fan wars or anything like that. But just returning to the topic of photo shoots there was one more thing I wanted to say which is that it doesn't always happen like this but I think it does play some part in influencing who they pick. I feel like they tend to 
to give photo shoots to very well-known actors, usually people who are idols or who have a big following. And Kang Tae actually hasn't been a male lead actor for a very long time. In fact, he's kind of only really done like a handful of male lead roles and they've always been rather short. And this is actually his first time being a male lead in a longish drama. And so I think they overlooked him, but I don't think anyone will overlook him after this role. I feel like he is never going back to being a second lead actor. And I really hope he doesn't after he comes back from serving his time in the military. So moving on to interviews, and I just want to say, even though there weren't any like additional magazine type interviews, both actors did a lot of exit interviews once the drama was over. And both actors had so many nice things to say about each other. And I read what Kang Tae said about Park and Bin just before, but there are a few more exit interviews where Kang Tae said that they filmed together very honestly and they talked a lot. For example, when they did that I'm disappointed scene, she always gave him very honest feedback. So she would tell him that his eyes were very good and expressive as Junho, or that his lines were too cheesy and he should change that a little bit. And he says that as they talked, they adjusted their strengths and weaknesses. And that's why the scene has so much sincerity. And I think this more than anything shows how good their relationship was because some people can take it really personally and not be able to take honesty, especially when it comes to something as personal as their work. But it just sounds like the both of them really complimented each other and felt comfortable enough to say what they really meant and felt when they were together. Park and Bin also had some really nice things to say about her co-star. So she said that Teo is a friend with a receptive attitude. We were able to create good scenes together because we are accepting people. So it feels like they both had a good time filming their drama together. But of course, there were also those fans that read a little bit too much into this. Like some people were like, oh, she just called him a friend. So he's being friend zoned. And I find these comments kind of really silly because obviously this is a professional interview. And actually Park and Bin saying that Kang Tae is her friend is a lot closer than I expected because I feel like she could have just said, oh, he's this actor who is very professional and we work well together. So actually by calling him a friend, she was trying to close the distance and show that they have now got a stronger relationship together since working together. I think a few other ridiculous things that I've heard in terms of interviews is that some people say that Park and Bin didn't really want to talk much about Extraordinary Attorney Wu Yang Wu after it ended, whereas Kang Tae seems to be milking it in every interview. And I think the people who think this way really haven't considered the fact that the interviews are established by magazines and newspapers and the media and what the media want is to have eyeballs on their articles or their videos or whatever content they're making and they do this by focusing on the things that the public want to read and see and so obviously a lot of people really liked Junho as a character and so of course the media would ask him to talk about his character over and over again and to say the iconic lines that Junho says. So again I think people aren't really taking into account that context that the media is a little bit of supply and demand in terms of what the public wants to see and what the public likes. Also Park and Bin talked a lot about Wu Young Wu after she finished filming as we talked about before and if she hasn't done any more interviews since then she's probably been on break and also again going back to the main theme of this podcast there are a lot of sensitivities around the show and so I think she's always been really careful about what she said about the character and the show because because she wants to show respect towards
was the community of people that she's representing when she played Wu Young Woo. So for those who were saying that Park and Bin just doesn't talk about this drama, I don't think you should be paranoid. I don't think it is anything personal. I just think that you need to think about the context of this drama being very unique. And then to remember that these actors are actually talking about the drama, but because people love it so much, they just expect so much more content to be coming out. So I feel like we just need to wah-wah ourselves, as they say in Extraordinary Attorney Wu Yang Wu. And that just basically means that we need to calm ourselves down if we are overthinking a little bit too much. And so now moving on to some of the things I've heard about fan mates. So I'm not sure if people know this about dramas, but in different drama industries, they have different traditions. And in the Taiwanese drama industry, they usually have a closing fan meet for every drama, mainly because the Taiwanese don't do as many dramas each year. And so they are able to put more time and effort in celebrating the end of a drama with the fans. Whereas in Korea, it's very rare for a drama to have an ending fan meet, but because Extraordinary Attorney Woo Young Woo was so popular, they actually did give the drama a closing fan meet and they had a lottery so that fans were able to win tickets to see the actors live. And I don't know if fans or shippers really appreciate this enough because it actually means that we got to see an event where Kang Tae-ho and Park Eun Bin were able to interact live. And this would be a more spontaneous way of seeing the two actors interact instead of seeing everything through edited footage. And I think there were plenty of cute moments in that fan meet, like Kang Tae-ho leaned over to whisper something to Park Eun Bin when one of the other actors were talking. And then also when he was giving his speech, it was quite funny because he pretended to cry and that made Park Eun Bin laugh and play slap him. That sort of interaction is fun to watch and it's nice to see how they get along as castmates and friends. But of course, there were still some people who had to say something negative because of the anxieties about shipping Taebin together. And I think the main thing I heard was that Park and Bin barely looked at Kang Tae-ho. That sort of thing again, in that she barely interacted with him. But I think she was just trying to put on a good show for her audience. I think that she was trying to interact with everyone because as the star of the show, she would have to be on her best behavior. She would have to be really attentive to the audience. And of course, she was also close to the script writer and the director. And so I think she wanted to show that gratitude towards them as well. Another point I want to make is that I think if Kang tae was really being frozen out by Park and bin he would not be making so much of an effort to try to talk to her or to look after her. Even if it was for publicity and he was a good actor about it, it would still feel very awkward. But I think when you see his interactions towards her, they look very good natured, as in he feels very comfortable doing it. And so I think he understands what she's thinking or what she's planning. And he doesn't seem to mind if she's not overly responsive to him in public or anything like that. And so it's quite likely that they do get along and understand each other. Whereas I think that you can really tell when actors don't get along or when there's something that's happening that isn't very friendly between actors. And I think you can tell from that big controversy with the actors from In Time, that drama that had Kim Jong-hun and So-hun 
which eventually led to that big scandal with So Yeji as well. And you could tell that an actor was being frozen out because they were confused and they were always working hard to close the gap between them. To be honest, I think if two actors just dislike each other, they either end up quitting the project or they pretty much end up in a controversy. I think it's because hate is a much stronger emotion than love in my opinion and I think it's much harder to hide when you dislike someone. And so for those who are paranoid about Taebin, I think you really should stop because they have proved over and over again that they do get along. And again, I just think that people are always missing the context of what these two actors have to deal with because this drama is more complicated than other dramas and because it was more tiring filming it and also because this drama technically isn't a romance. So all these things play a part in how they interact. And so I would just not worry about them not getting along. But since we're on the topic of fan mates, I feel like there's just one more thing that I have to talk about in relation to this. And that is for those who attended Park and Bin's own paid fan meet that was held by her agency. There is a scene there that everyone just talked about, which was when they were showing that final scene from Extraordinary Attorney because it was voted the fan favorite out of all Park and Bin's projects. And when that scene played on screen, she turned around at some point and was talking to the audience. She didn't watch the scene behind her. And some people took that as a sign that she turned away and she couldn't look at Kang Tae-ro. But I have actually watched that scene again. And don't ask me how, because I can't share that access with you. But actually she didn't turn away from Kang Tae-ro. She turned away from herself. And I think this is very common because I'm friends with a lot of actors and they tell me that they can't watch themselves on screen because they feel embarrassed about it. And this happens a lot for projects that they have just done. It's really embarrassing to watch yourself act. And as always, we go back to the fact that this drama has sensitivities. So I think that sometimes Park and Bin didn't want to watch herself act in case she saw some sort of mistake that she had made or she just felt like it wasn't as good as she wanted it to be. That sort of thing can be a little bit hard and so I think she was just trying to distract herself by talking to the audience. I mean it was still interesting because she revealed the fact that that ending scene in Extraordinary Attorney Wu Young Wu was actually filmed before a lot of the other scenes like the confrontation with her mother and so she had to feel that sense of self-contentment and happiness before anything had actually happened and that's why her and Kang Tae are such good actors because you really feel that sense of happiness even though the scenes were not filmed in order. And then one more source of anxiety I want to talk about, which I think pops up a lot as well, is the fact that Kang Tae always wears a ring. And some people think that that's because he's in a relationship. And I have nothing to say on whether or not he's actually in a relationship, because that's not something that I can definitely confirm or deny. But his official story for the ring is that it was a present given to him by the CEO of his agency. And I believe that he would wear a ring from his boss if it was given to him. I also think that a lot of the time people get too excited over rings as some sort of markers of relationships. But in Asian culture, a lot of the time rings are not actually considered that important. It seems to be a tradition that was brought over from Western culture. And so it's not really a necessity for people who are getting engaged or married, although younger couples do tend to follow these traditions nowadays. But as someone 
someone who was in the entertainment industry and trying to advance his career and presenting himself as single, I doubt he would wear a ring, even if he was in a relationship, because this would really change up his image. And so the final, final anxiety that I want to address with Tabin is something that actually leads into the next topic. And that is, some people are asking if Park and Bin really enjoyed working with Kang Tae-ro, how come she doesn't want to do a season two? Especially because this drama has been announced to have a season two. And so this leads into my discussion about the possibility of doing a season two for this drama. So let's talk about that and then I'll somehow answer the question while I'm talking about this discussion. So for those who are new to the world of K-drama, I will just start by explaining that K-dramas don't generally have second seasons. It's actually pretty rare for most dramas to go past a first season. And for those who are wondering why, it's because the broadcast stations and the TV industries are quite different to how they are in the West. So in South Korea, from what I understand, drama scripts are written by independent writers and they're picked up for production by either an in-house director or PD or sometimes an independent director who teams up with a well-known writer and then they convince the TV network to offer a broadcast contract. So there's a lot of independent productions that are floating around Around waiting to be picked up. Another point to make is that there's quite a difference in how much money the networks have. So in America, it seems like they have much deeper pockets and are able to do a lot of long form series because they can afford to pay writers, directors and actors on these long term renewable contracts. But that's not so much the case in South Korea. And it might have something to do with the advertising because in South Korean TV, advertising is primarily done through product placement. And in the US, this is actually not allowed because the TV boards overseeing the rules of broadcasting thought it was unfair to do advertising within TV series. So that's how they ended up with ad breaks in between segments of the show and then that money would most likely go to the network. But in South Korea, advertising revenues are actually generated and negotiated for and received by the production team who are producing the drama and as mentioned before, they do this through product placement. So most of that money isn't going towards the network but towards the actual individual project itself and so that's part of the problem because as mentioned before you really need a lot of money to set up multi-production contracts with producers writers and actors and then if they're all independent contractors it makes it even more tricky because they have to work out their schedules because they could just be offered any other new project so it's very hard for them to commit to a long-term project and then aside from monetary reasons I do think there's also some slightly cultural reasons for not having several seasons especially when it comes to things like romances because in the west when you think of like teen romance series often they have a wider choice of conflicts that they can introduce into the drama storyline because they can have the characters break up and get with new partners and then they can experience things with the different types of characters and personalities that enter the storyline but I think in Asian dramas it's more of that traditional storyline where two people find each other and it's a deeper kind of love and so that means there are probably less conflicts that you can introduce before you start getting repetitive and so that's why I think dramas are limited to shorter runs often about 16 episodes and they close with one season only because that means that they've run through all the tropes that they need to run through and then they can pair those actors up in a new story with new characters and in that way they end up getting the variety 
variety that you kind of get in Western dramas, but in a way that suits the cultural taste in Asia. But with all that said, it's not impossible to have a second season. So if they do choose to do multi-seasons, it's often just one other season. And there have been shows that have been granted a second season. So for example, there was Hospital Playlist, which got a second season. And there was also Hello My Twenties or Age of Youth, which got a second season, even though one of the actors couldn't come back. So they just replaced her. And then with the introduction of streaming sites like Netflix, who actually can produce shows as well, if a show that they have stakes in becomes very popular, they can also help with creating another season. So for example, All of Us Are Dead is getting a second season. Obviously, a big one is Squid Game that is getting a second season. And actually, Netflix has even supported things that will have multi-seasons. So for example, Kingdom, that show is a drama franchise, which is going to have more than two seasons. It's already got two on Netflix and also one short prequel story. And so increasingly, there are more stories that are getting a second season. So to bring this back to Extraordinary Attorney Wu Young Woo, it was announced towards the end of the show's run that there was going to be a season two. And a lot of people were really excited about this, especially because it was announced during that angsty period where you weren't sure if the show was going to have a happy ending. So some people thought, well, if it doesn't tie up properly, at least there'll be a season two. But the drama did end up having a happy ending, as we talked about before. And most people I know really loved the ending, but I've still seen some really hardcore romantic type fans who were hoping that you would see a wedding at the end. And so the thought of a season two was still exciting to people because they wanted to see the development of Junho and Woo Young Woo's relationship to the point where they could get married. And because the CEO of the production company had announced that it would definitely happen in 2024, it seemed like it was confirmed and definitely going ahead. And it makes sense because it was such a surprise hit, but also just a really big hit for a very small and new channel. And so it actually made a lot of money for the companies and it actually propelled the actors into stardom. So you would think that it would be a show that would definitely have a confirmed second season. But this is still K-drama land and so a second season can still fall through. Even if there has been a huge song and dance about making it, I think it's happened before for very popular series like Signal. People talked a lot about having a second season to explain the open ending, but nothing ever came of that. And so depending on your feelings about having second seasons for K-dramas, I would hate to be the bearer of bad news, but I think it's going to be extremely difficult to put together a second season for Extraordinary Attorney Wu Young Woo. And there's two main reasons for that. So the first one actually has something to do with today, and it's that Kang tae has to do his military service. This is compulsory for all males of age in Korea, and you have to do this before you get into your 30s. And so Kang tae has hit that ceiling age where he must go and complete this. And I think before I forgot to explain why today has something to do with this, it's because I'm recording on the day that Kang tae is enlisting in the military. And it's quite sad because earlier today, there were a lot of pictures with him with his shaved head saying goodbye to fans. And still, he's such a humble and nice guy. And he had so many positive things to say. And from the pictures, it looked like he was being 
being sent off with a lot of his friends and family around him, as well as a lot of fans and reporters who had come to hear him speak and take photos of him and support him on his last little public appearance. And I guess the sad thing is there really is a long period before we get to see Kung Terror again because I believe the service goes for two years or at least a year and a half. And so that makes it very difficult to create a season two for this show because everyone who would be interested in making the show would obviously want to ride on the momentum and the popularity of the series before something else becomes popular. But with one of the main actors away in the military, it would be really hard to film this completely and have it ready in 2024. And at this point, I also want to point out that Kang Teo's character is not just any character in the show. He's the very popular and well-loved love interest of the main character. And so it would be impossible to replace him with another actor. I think he would have so many rioting fangirls if that actually happened. I also don't know if they could write the character of Junho out of the drama because he's just so central to the development of Wu Youngwoo. And even though a lot of people followed the drama for Park Eun-bin and for Wu Youngwoo herself, I feel like the romance did draw in a lot of viewers at the same time. And so if it was to be a less important part of the second season after being such an important part of the first season, I do think you would lose a lot of viewers and ratings would drop. I guess the last thing is technically Kang Tae-ro does end military service in the March of 2024, but I think the problem is it would still be a rush if they wanted to release the drama in that year because after leaving the military he might not look so much like the way he did with Junho, so they might have to wait a bit for things like his hair or physique to look a little bit more like the way it used to. And then the process of filming and editing and post-production all take a long time. And then to throw into the mix the schedules of other actors and other crew members, it just feels like the chances would get slimmer and slimmer. And so it's really hard to say whether or not it would go through at this point. The only thing I know is that it probably can't go through without including Kang Tae-ro or Junho. Recently, for some weird reason, Korean fans were digging up some old articles that said that Kang Tae-ro wouldn't be available for season two, but I think that article still said that there would be a season two happening, and so a lot of those fangirls were really angry because Kang Tae-ro was going to be excluded from that, but I do think that those articles were written long ago, and I think they were only dug up because of Kang Tae-ro's enlistment day, and people were feeling sad and just anxious because they want Kang Tae-ro to still be involved in the world of Wu Young-woo, particularly if there was going to be another entire season of the drama. But I wouldn't worry too much about those articles. I probably would not listen to any news about season two unless it's being confirmed officially through Enna or through the agencies of the two actors. So I'll move on to talk about the next big reason why there might not be a season two. And this reason has to do with Park and bin because she's the one who portrays Wu Young-woo. So if you read her exit interviews, you'll know that she said that it was very hard playing Wu Young-woo. She had a difficult time because it was such an intense role. And I think there was also this added pressure to make sure that she performed well, particularly because she was representing the 
autism community. And so it wasn't exactly the easiest of times that she had while she was filming this drama. And in one of these exit interviews, she actually explicitly said that if they asked if she wanted to go back to playing this role, she would probably say no. And so this has caused a big stir because it's quite clear that the CEO did not talk to any of the actors before he made his announcement about season two. And in another interview later on, Park and Bin did say that she actually didn't know there was going to be a season two. Nobody told her about that. And she only found out from news articles. So that does not really sit well with a lot of people, mainly because it's very disrespectful to announce something without telling the main people who are involved in that project. But also because it feels a little bit like pressuring in terms of telling the whole world that something's going to happen and making a promise so that the actors then feel like they have to say yes, otherwise they'll be disappointing their fans and looking bad. Although in this case, I really think the CEO is looking bad because he then went to do an article or an interview about season two. And that article was really business driven in that he spoke about extraordinary attorney Wu Young Wu like it was a very important product. And he talked about how he had all these plans to sell merch and how he had set up the webtoon so that people would be excited for season two. And then I think he was asked a question about what he felt about Park and Bin saying that she was tired or not wanting to go back to the role. And his answer was something strange like, it's okay, I'm not worried, she can manage herself. And I don't want to say that that is definitely what he said because obviously things can get lost in translation. And I definitely found out this information from a translated article, but that reply sounded very, very cold in terms of it not having empathy for the actress. And there was no talk about protecting her welfare or, or making plans to look after her if she was to take on the role again. And so this article actually kind of put people off the idea of a season two because it sounded so money focused and numbers driven. And look, I don't think it's technically an issue to talk about these things if you are a CEO. It's just that talking about these things without talking about the welfare of the actors who are doing all the work seems pretty unfair. And I guess personally, if you're asking me what I think about a season two, I would say that that article did put me off. Although technically I'm not a fan of K-dramas having second seasons if they weren't pre-planned to have one, if that makes sense. Because sometimes I feel that if it's because the drama did really well and then suddenly they're under the pressure to deliver a second season, it's not as good because there's no material. They have to sort of start from scratch. And then there's this tendency to drag on events or bring angsty events to fill up that space and create a storyline. And so I don't think second seasons are as good if they're just rushed and put together because of the popularity of the first season. But if it was pre-planned and they had enough material originally for two seasons, then that's fine by me. But I also can't pretend that I'm not excited when a show I really like is announced for a second season. So when I heard about this for Extraordinary Attorney Wu Young Wu, I was really excited as well because it meant maybe in the second season there'd be more chance for things like a photo shoot between the two actors and of course there would be more moments with our favorite characters and it would be nice to see their relationship develop to the point of marriage which I don't actually care about that much in dramas but I do think in Extraordinary Attorney Wu Young Wu this would be a great point for her development and also 
just something really sweet. Given that we already saw her try on wedding gowns and that was sort of one of the main starting points for their romance. However, I definitely don't want a second season if Park and Bin feels like she doesn't want to do it because I totally agree with what she said when she said in an interview that she felt like the drama was a beautiful box of treasures and if they were to reopen it and rummage through it, she would feel that there would be this risk of ruining something that was already so beautiful. I also wouldn't want her to feel resentful or burnt out or tired from this role. And so if she says no, I am perfectly understanding of that. I also think she's in a good position to say no, no matter how much pressuring is put on her because she's actually established actress and so she doesn't need to do anything for more popularity. And in any case, she gets a lot of offers. So all she would have to do is accept another offer for another project and that would probably be the end of everything if she really felt that she didn't want to do this. And to link this to shipping, I think those people who are saying that she doesn't want to do this project because she doesn't want to see Kung Teru again, I think people are completely missing the point of how tiring it is. And we've talked about it many times throughout this podcast, but it was such a labor intensive role. And so I think people are forgetting that even though it was really fun for her to work with those people around her, it would probably be really draining to have to stay in character all the time and be very careful all the time and so if Park and Bin decides not to do a second season I think people shouldn't take it personally as she didn't have a good time. I would say it would be a combination of her feeling that the role was quite a challenging one and she would feel that she had already done it justice through her acting in season one and it would be more about the pressure of having to challenge herself in the same way again rather than the fact that she didn't want to work with anyone or she she didn't like the cast and crew. And it might sound really sad not to have a season two, but I actually think that what would be better would be having the two main stars meet in another project because then you could see them take on new characters and it would be exciting to see Park and Bin and Kang Teo in, say, a rom-com genre because then they could promote more in the rom-com style and maybe even take more selfies to relieve all your anxieties. <laughs> And I do think that this could be possible as well because sometimes when people really love two actors and there's a lot of public support, they might offer the same really good projects to both actors. And if they both say yes, then you'll end up seeing them both in another project. And so if a season two doesn't end up working out, I would really hope for Park and Bin and Kang Teo to be reunited in a different type of project. I would also take it if they were to present an award together or something like that. In any case, this brings me to the end of my very long discussion about Extraordinary Attorney Wu Young Woo and about some of the things that people have been anxious about, such as Taebin and about season two. And so I hope this episode has been comforting in that it has given you a wider perspective about a lot of things and helped you to feel a bit better about some of the things that may have been playing up in your mind. Anyway, I'll just finish up by saying thank so much for listening and if you enjoyed it please leave a nice review because it does help people to find this podcast and so I guess I'll see you in the next episode bye